started land perfectly, smack into his stomach. And um, yeah, so they, they just they just took you know cheated out of it. You know, the referee didn't call it, and um, it was just confusion at the time because no no clear results, and I just became disheartened. I lost my mental after that. This was a blatant shot. I told the referee, I caught him. It wasn't low. And the referee didn't even say like it was low. He was holding his stomach. And he couldn't move. He weren't going to make it in time. He was out. That should have been a knockout. And I think, you know, that this needs to, you know, go further. It needs to be pushed. And this, this wrong needs to be corrected because I should be a world champion right now. And the uh, rematch. And the street fight. I'm ready. Bare knuckles. Tomorrow, maybe right now. <laughs> Not uh, not boxing gloves, but a street fight. Not uh, legs, legs, not legs, only feet. What is the definition of legal and illegal? Belly button is the line. Anything below that is a low blow. Hi, and welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where some people say it was illegal, some people say it was legal, um, some people say it was low, some say it was belt line. And once again, when boxing is controversial, it bubbles to the top of the public consciousness. So that's not a bad thing at all. But as always, welcome. Sports always appreciated. And let's just jump straight into why everyone's here. Uh, when the fight between Usyk and Dubois was announced, and it was announced with enough time, right? There was enough time to build a game plan. You can study Usyk as much as you want, but the principles are simple. If you can shut off his attack routes, you make it harder for him to flow. That doesn't mean you're going to beat him, but it means you draw him into a different kind of fight. A fight that he doesn't necessarily enjoy because he's, he's the smaller guy. But it becomes a fight where he's got to rely more on his instincts and less on his training. He can do both, by the way, and he can do both to a high standard, but one is easier to deal with than the other. And I don't believe Daniel Dubois was able to do either. And so that contributed to his downfall because let's just strip this down. After round five, it was a relative cakewalk for Alexander Usyk. If you consider he's, it's in a world title fight, I always say the minimum requirement of a world title fight is you go the 12. Right? You go the 12. And at no point did this fight look like it will go the 12. And we're going to talk about the various elements of how and why, but it never looked like it will go the 12. Give Usyk credit. He looked like he prepared really well for this one. Looked like he, he understood what Dubois was about. And I don't think Usyk was trying to knock him out. I think Usyk's aim was to keep that psychological pressure on him, hoping that Daniel would almost beat himself. You know, we, we often sit and talk about tactics in the hard sense of tactics, right? Like this boxing trainer 
You know, it starts with guys like Eddie Futch, uh, Ray Arcel way back when. I mean, guys like Jack Blackburn way, way back when. And, you know, we have this, this idea, Angelo Dundee is the same, of there these guys out there who are these tactical geniuses when it comes to boxing. And it's actually not true. Boxing is a really, really simple sport. It's just a fight with a little bit more skill than the average show has. That's Boxing 101. And so it becomes important to, to look at these other things. Like, how do people cope under pressure? How do they cope if you don't give them the validation they're seeking? How do you cope if you do give them the validation they're seeking? How can you upset their mentality so that what happens in the ring isn't what they train for? And Usyk's mastered that. Um, you saw in the build-up to the fight week, all the dancing around, the, the clowning around. And he does that because in his heart of hearts, he's, a, he's committed to whatever he has to do to win. So he doesn't mind entertaining the crowd. And it does wonders to kind of feed that image of the eccentric Ukrainian who's hard as nails and is fighting for his people and all that sort of stuff. But when, when, but when there's two guys in the ring and there's been enough time to prepare for this fight, by the way, because it's not like, you know, Dubois' last-minute replacement, and in your corner you've got people who have faced Usyk before, I think we expected a little bit more. And that's not me disrespecting anyone because you never know what's actually possible until you're in there with Usyk. But for me, Usyk 101 is just shut off his attack routes. Yeah. Have, him, have him reacting, have him using his wits and his instincts, and you start to tire him out quicker. Once you do that, then you start looking for the body relentlessly. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, do you remember when Josh Taylor was at his best and then he'd have that really nasty phase in every fight where he'd shovel the, the left uppercut into the body and then come over the top with a left hook to the head. And he'd just shovel that in routinely until people said, ah, oh, this is too much. And then he could bring other shots in on top of that. Sometimes that's the sort of thing you've got to, you've got to do that to, to let your opponent know that this is going to hurt today. And I was watching that fight hoping Daniel could do it, praying Daniel could do it. But every time I saw Daniel, it was like he was looking for the perfect moment to land the perfect shot, and he was waiting. And Usyk won't give you that. Um, Usyk's pretty simple, right? When Usyk retreats, he retreats twice, and he knows that on the second one, people get nervous. So most people don't follow him. It was the same with Vladimir Klitschko. If you notice, Vlad would only ever move twice. If you're an opponent and you said, right, I'm going to shuffle forward three times, like Joshua did, like when Joshua was going after him, Joshua just marched him back, knowing that Vlad had very set patterns and Joshua broke those. And that's how he was able to get that stoppage win in the end, where he just said, let me rely on being a novice and not understanding this game and went after him. And I think to an extent, maybe Daniel was too well-schooled. And I would like to have seen Daniel actually just go against type, just have a high, tight high guard and start bullying him. Just bully him and go, yeah, I'm going to take two to land two. And just see how Usyk would have enjoyed a real dogfight like that. I think if you go back to the Usyk Bellew fight, too many people try and outbox him, try and outthink him, you know, try and treat it like a game of chess, but Usyk's ready for that. What he's not ready for, and I think Chisora showed this, he's not ready to trade heavy leather with big, strong men. But if we break the fight down into thirds, first four rounds, you could argue 3-1 Usyk, 4-0 Usyk. 
control the range, control the positioning of the ring, controlled everything. Just just had Dubois' number. Dubois couldn't figure out how to get in. And you're watching Daniel, and everything Daniel was doing looked like the toolkit to fight an orthodox guy. Even when he was showing Usyk a bit of head movement, he was almost slipping and dropping into shots. And so you're looking at that going, man, just, just keep pulling out to your left. If you keep pulling out to your left, you make yourself a harder target to hit. And the points in the fight where he did that, because he did do that, he, he looked a far better proposition than when he was doing all the other stuff. So the first four fights, and if you go and check Twitter, no one really gave Dubois a chance. Right, it was like, wow, um, this is pretty one-way traffic. And, you know, this, this wasn't what we were expecting. You know? Because if you're going to lose the technical battle, that's fine. But at least show you're willing to bite the guy's face off to win. That's what we were hoping for. We didn't, we didn't quite get that. We, I think we understand why now. But it's something we've been expecting from Daniel for a while now. We probably got it a bit with the Lorena fight and a bit with the Gorman fight. But most of the other times, he's, he's had such an advantage over the opponent that he hasn't had to go there. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Based on yesterday, maybe you do need to go into that war zone every so often to understand what it's like and to be comfortable slipping into that space when you need to. Then we get to round five, and round five is when you see Dubois just go, let me throw a few more shots. And he starts he, relaxing a bit, letting some of his shots go. And you know, you're watching it, and out of nowhere, you see... Let me get this right. I think it was the the left. It was, for him, it was the right uppercut. I keep thinking like a southpaw now. And he's just shoveled that into the body, and Usyk's gone down. And you're like, what just happened here? And the ref says, low blow. So as Usyk goes down, you're expecting the count. Ref goes, no, low blow. And you're like, really? Because in real time, it didn't look that bad. And let me, let me frame this, because I've seen loads of people adamant that it was low. Matt Christie says it was low. And he, like I said, remember, no one's right, no one's wrong, because wh what happened actually happened. But Matt Christie says it was low. I've seen other guys say it was high. Alec Wilkie's adamant it was low. McGilfoyle went from high to low. Loads of people in boxing, loads of people whose opinions are worthy of respect were of the opinion that it was low. Loads of people whose opinions are worthy of respect were of the opinion that it was a fair shot. The mistake we're going to make is going to the rule book. The mistake we're going to make in that situation is freeze-framing it, running it at like one frame a second, or whatever it is people are doing now to overanalyze it. Because you can go through every fight card you've watched in the last 12 months, and you'll find shots like that that have been given. And in fact, those shots are given as fair more often than they're given as foul probably by a factor of 10 to 1. If you, if you look broadly at how low blows are examined, um, if it's reckless and blatant, the ref will call it a low blow. You normally lose a point. If it's intentional and blatant, you might get disqualified. We'll talk about that later. If it's unintentional and borderline, refs normally let that go. Because... It's, it's a fight. 
things are going to get messy. Like sometimes you're going to catch someone with a forearm or you're going to catch someone with an elbow. You have to let certain things go because if a referee disciplined every infringement, you would, you'd struggle to, to get any flow in a fight. You'd be stopping it every 30 seconds. And then we'd be saying the referee's making it about himself. But there are that many rules where the infringements and infractions are allowed to, to happen that we have an expectation within boxing that if it's not reckless, if it's not blatant, if it's not deliberate, kind of have to let them get on with it. And I think that's why a lot of fans were like, just let them get on with it. Give them the count. Because that's as borderline a low blow as you're going to have. I thought it was a fair shot. And I based that on the fact that you're going to see that on every show. Unless we say that the, the belt line is off limits. If the belt line is in, in range, then you're going to do that. The other challenge is some people have larger hands than others. So if you do hit the belt line, part of the glove is going to make contact below. There are people who've got hands that big. And I know what the argument back will be. Well, they should just be more accurate. And yeah, fair point. But there's something that made that shot a bit more nuanced than just was it high, was it low. As Dubois letting the shot go, Usyk's making an adjustment. So Usyk's hip level shifts upwards. His belt line shifts upwards. And you can't see it in the, in the actual fight footage. And I don't know if there's an alternate angle, because I haven't seen it yet. But I imagine that Usyk was adjusting his feet to bring them closer together. And in doing that, the belt line's gone up. And so the shot that Daniel was going to land in his mind would have been plumb, two knuckles above the belt line maybe, and then the rest of it on the belt line. But in Usyk going up, he shifted that. So now people say well, it looks like a low blow. And, I, and, and this is kind of why referees have to let some things go. Um, the analogy I use now is rugby. Like There's a law in rugby that there can be no head contact, right? Head contact... Um, without mitigation, is normally a red card. But there's head contact all the time in rugby because there's some things you just have to leave and they call it a rugby incident, for example. So if two guys are going for the ball on the ground and they just both dive in and they clash heads, it's a rugby incident. You can't send both guys off because you have to interpret the letter of the law but also the spirit. And I think in the spirit of how boxing has gone, those shots are normally given. And for all the people who are saying, ah, it's a low blow, um, you know, the trainers who are saying that, if their fighter landed that shot, they'd be like, ah, it's kind of fair. You know, let the fight go on. But then if, if it was their fighter getting hit, they'd be like, it's a low blow. So it's one of those that you've seen allowed to happen, but you've also seen not allowed to happen. But the ratio is definitely in favor of allowing it to happen. And... You look at that and you go, okay, Usyk took all the time he was allowed once he found it was a low blow. Because people are saying, what would have happened if there'd been a count? I genuinely believe if there'd been a count, Usyk would have got back up. There's no way he was going to let his people down in, in Wroclaw and 40,000 of them. There was no way he was going to let that happen. So Usyk spends his time, and this is a smart veteran. If you watch what Usyk does, he plays up to the ref, making out that he's in discomfort, but he looked relaxed, looked to his corner, you know, looked a bit to the crowd. When the moment was right, he got up, 
the crowd roared. You know, yeah, he's up. It felt like a bit like Rocky. But what you, what I imagine Usyk was doing was just composing himself, going, "I'm five rounds in. I'm 37 years old. I'm feeling a bit leggy because you know it's Dubois and it's quite stressful." Let me get some air back. Let me suck in some oxygen. Let me reset. Let me get my metabolism in a position where we're almost like we're back at the beginning of the fight. So let me see if I can reset myself so I'm fresh and I can go again. And he used, what was I say, three minutes, 45 seconds of the, of the allotted five minutes he used up. Very, very smart. Reset, refocus, retool. I imagine that his corner were telling him, look, just go back, box him, um, just be careful with the body shots, all that stuff. Gets to his corner. You looked at Daniel in the corner, and you're wondering what's going through his mind. You know, is he thinking, I need to get him back to that body? Is that what he's thinking? Because he should have been. Um, I tweeted something. I said, if AJ had done that to Usyk, the fight wouldn't have gone past the fifth round. Joshua would have just set about him and said, I'm not getting my face punched in anymore. Right, let's go. Because Joshua's like that. When he smells weakness, he jumps all over it. And people can say he's not the same Joshua. Now, I just imagine if Joshua sees someone vulnerable, he'll go for it. If it turns out he's not vulnerable, he'll get back on his bike again. But I just do think that there are certain boxers, if they'd had Usyk that vulnerable, that would set about him. And these are the lessons you have to learn. When you're, when you're trying to make yourself an elite heavyweight. So that fifth round represented Daniel's real chance to win the fight. Once he didn't capitalize on that, it was, it was always going to be rough. It was always going to be hard because you're like, wow, um, I don't think Usyk wants us to go to the 12. That's what I felt. At the end of round five, I said Usyk doesn't want us to go to the 12 because he doesn't want to get hit like that again and risk anything. And so you saw afterwards, Usyk just applying pressure, tiring Daniel out. Um, that middle third of the fight, well, after round six, you just saw the pace start to quicken, and Daniel had no answer to that. I don't know what had happened in camp. I don't know who he had worked with in camp. But the pace Usyk set was seemingly a surprise to nobody except for Daniel. And it wasn't great to see because there were no adjustments being made. And there should have been adjustments being made. So, look, Usyk's going to try and take you out, you know, change head levels, sweep those shots into the body. Don't try and be super accurate. Just sweep them like Derek was. And that was making Usyk uncomfortable. But that middle third, Usyk just started to turn on, he just started to turn on the class, the experience, everything that he'd probably prepped himself for mentally in that fifth round, he started to do. And by the end of the eighth round, you're like, yeah, I'm not sure about this. Because I think, yeah, Dubois got dropped in the eighth with a, with a shot to the top of the head. And that seems to be a trend amongst Eastern European fighters. Like, they look for shots on top of the head. Now, I don't know if they've found something physiologically in terms of, like, an off switch. We talk about being hit on the temple, but they seem to be trying to hit the top of the head. And that seems to disorientate and discombobulate people. Like, Golovkin's the master of it, but other Eastern European fighters will just come over the top like that and just go bang. And so after that, once you saw Daniel go down the first time, as a fan, you were like, this is going to be his real test of character. Can he fight through this now, come back and dominate? Um, and then 
the fight was over in the ninth round. And the fight was over from a jab. A jab that Dubois had taken round after round with reasonable comfort. And that jab came and that was it. And as boxing fans, make of it what you will, I, I worry when people get dropped with a jab. Like, do you remember when Crawford dropped Brooke with a jab? And that was kind of the point when it, people realized we've seen the best of Kel. Because it was like, it looked innocuous. But you never really know. It may have been the perfect shot at the perfect moment. You just don't know. And that was all she wrote. And then, obviously, everything blows up afterwards. Usyk goes into Dubois' corner. He's like, you know, doing the, doing the old man thing, going, listen, man, you're young. You're in here fighting someone like me who's good and experienced and pretty tough. And you did, a <coughs> you did okay. You came to have a go. And, you know, Dubois, despondent, you would be, right? And Usa came, gave him the motivational, you know, you can do it, you can come back because you're only 25 and this experience is invaluable. Like he, Dubois almost going that Frank Bruno route of development where you're going to get to a certain point, realize you're not quite ready, come back around the loop and then hopefully the next time you will be ready. And so you have all the controversy. Daniel comes to the microphone and says, look, I should have won, I feel robbed, and all that sort of stuff. And he's quite right to say that because there's controversy. But like I said, if the ref had said it's a count, I think Dubois would have got back up. Um, Usyk would have got back up. And I don't believe Dubois would have jumped on him because at no point did he jump on him in that fight. So I don't think it's a robbery at all. I don't see how it could be. I don't even think it's poor refereeing because the referee has the discretion to to enforce that rule or not to enforce that rule. I think the real issue is the inconsistency. The fact that it's a debate is what I have an issue with. But I think it will always be a debate because I can't see us having a version of VAR that says, no, it's a knockdown, unless, unless there's a guy that says ringside and when that happens, he presses a button and the count starts immediately. Which could happen and that would overrule the referee. But that's controversy in its own right. I don't, people probably want to avoid that too. And then Frank Warren will obviously make his remonstrations and protests known to whoever he has to, but I just don't think there's a solid enough case. I don't think there's a solid enough case for the rematch because round six, seven, and eight showed us the gap in level. And that's not even like the championship rounds. There was a vast chasm between those two in terms of ability, skill, experience, and even heart. Because you remember, it was Usyk that had to take that shot, and he came back and was like, you're not taking these belts off me. And I think in this country, we've bred a generation of heavyweights, like the, the post-Anthony Joshua stable of heavyweights we've created in this country hasn't got what Usyk's got because they weren't trained in that old school, hard way. A lot of these guys are being trained, as Porky would say, via spreadsheet. It's all spreadsheets, don't overtrain, take as much rest as you can, don't do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable because you don't want to do that. All this sort of stuff that actually holds you back, actually harms your development because you need to go to those dark places, you need to sweat, 
you need to sometimes you need to go beyond that breaking point just to understand where it is and then you'll know where to train and i don't think this generation does that so Usyk will always have the pick of this generation because they don't have it now i also tweeted i wish michael hunter had been more active because i think a guy like michael hunter in the situation Dubois found himself in after putting Usyk down, I think someone like Michael Hunter would have just set about him. I don't know if Michael would have won, but sometimes that's, that's the kryptonite for Usyk, someone who's hungry, active, and relentless. Because the other side of the Atlantic, we saw that. We saw a young kid in Jared Anderson, I think he fought Andre Rudenko, just set about him. Combinations, body, head, hook, uppercut, hook, uppercut, uppercut, hook, straight, right, bang. Just set about him. And he looks like the new breed of heavyweight. I think, and I've been reluctant to say this because I wasn't sure, but I think Usyk's going to shift the discussion around heavyweights to maybe they need to be around 6'3", six, 6'4", six, with a high work rate. Maybe all these big lumps, these muscle heads, Maybe their kryptonite is pace. Um, I don't think it is with, with someone like uh, Deontay Wilder because he's not that big relative to his frame. Um, Fury is just a, a law unto himself, if we're being honest. But I do see these younger, smaller guys, um, maybe F.A. Jagba's at the bigger end of the scale, but like a Jared Anderson, a Michael Hunter, these are the sort of guys that will made the heavyweight division entertaining again. Um, I think Vlad took it into that 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, range, as did Vitaly. Fury's kind of held it there, but hopefully we're coming down in terms of average height of a heavyweight towards a more skillful, more active, you know, good stamina type guy. Because I've always said this, pace will break anybody. I don't care what you did in camp. If you didn't do it at the pace that I set, you ain't gonna be able to do it in this fight. And Usyk lives by that mantra. So I do. I think of the new breed coming through, the bigger threats to Usyk are guys like Jared Anderson, just because of the activity level. Now, we won't know what it's like for him when the shots come back until we see it. But for now, you kind of say that's the potential blueprint. can't say it's a guarantee, but that's the potential blueprint. Those sorts of guys who, who can throw multiple shots in every attack. But let's just spin it back to to Team Usyk. I think Team Usyk have been gracious in this because they're, they're things like, no, it's a low blow. The rules are the rules. It's a low blow. Uh, what do you want to happen? And, you know, in terms of the rematch talk, Usyk was like, yeah, <laughs> let's have a bare-knuckle fight on the street. You know, obviously just taking the piss. Because it is, it's ridiculous. It's not like the referee got it horribly wrong. He just did it in a way where you're like, you don't normally do this, refs. Normally, you let these shots go. But I guess, and this is the uncomfortable bit of the conversation, I guess when you politicise a fight to the extent that this one was politicised, and let's be absolutely clear, Queensbury jumped on top as well. They were flag-waving too. When you politicise a fight like this, it's very hard to, to rule that as a body shot, knowing that there are 40,000 people in there, mostly Ukrainian who might be willing to storm that ring. And so this is what we say, like either politics and sport are separate or they're not because 
that could have been, a, that potentially was a dangerous moment for people. Let's be very clear about that. You know, what I'm saying now probably gives rise to the idea that maybe there was corruption involved. I don't want to say that. But I do want to say that at a time when the United Kingdom was saying we don't want to mix sport and politics when it comes to things like race relations, football is football, a lot of those people were happy to watch the message from Zelensky. We're happy to see Usyk representing the political situation in his country. And deep down, we know why. But let's move on. So that wasn't the only low blow controversy, was it, over, over the, the course of the, the fight night? On the other side of the Atlantic, F.A. Jagba fought a guy whose name I can't even pronounce, and I'm not going to pretend. And that fight got stopped, disqualification. Um, repeated in probably excessive low blows. But, so the last one was so egregious. The guy just looked like he, he needed a way out because he had been dropped from body shot by a Jagba. Why are people getting hurt by body shots so easily? It's all these sit-ups they do. So he gets in the corner and just swings a shot at a, a, a Jagba's nuts. A Jagba hits the floor. Referee looks at the guy. The guy just looks and goes, I did it. And, and the ref's like, I've got to disqualify you. But that's a blatant low blow. No one's going to argue that is, well, you know, borderline. That was blatant and repeated. And some people are like that. I can't remember the boxer I pulled up for this. You know, some guys, because they swing their shots wildly, they can end up throwing those sort of reckless low blows. It's not intentional, but it can happen, especially if someone's coming forward too. Um, but there you go. Agjagba, heavyweight who... We talked about a lot at one point, and then we stopped talking about him, kind of like Izu Ungona. And now we're talking about him again. But he doesn't look like the guy that's going to cause the champion's trouble at this point, if we're being honest. You know, he needs more wrinkles to his game. Um, we also saw um, the Olympic gold medalist Jalilov boxing on Saturday night, and the first round stoppage again. He looks scarily good. Seems to have power, skill, mobility. Um, but, you know, when you're a gold medalist like that, they, they need to move him on quickly. But it was nice to see that we had a glimpse of coming what's happening in the heavyweight division in Poland. And then Top Rank gave us a view of the future on that side. And at least it looks like stateside, they're, they're looking to come back with something, even if they've had to get these guys in from different countries. But that's what I'd say. I just want to wrap up quickly because it's a bank holiday weekend and I'd quite like to enjoy myself. But the controversy around whether the blow was high or whether is irrelevant because it wasn't like it fundamentally changed the outcome of the fight. I think Usyk would have got up. I don't think Daniel would have jumped on him, which he should have done. Now, why he didn't, someone has to ask him that. That's why, why didn't you jump on him? Why didn't you just let your hands go? When you knew that you were starting to flag, why didn't you just literally go out on your shield and go, right, this is all I've got. Let's see what happens here. They're questions that should be asked as opposed to what the referee did. Because Usyk will always be there for the taking if you can dig. Same as every other heavyweight. The fact that you didn't dig is an issue. And here's what's going to really annoy me. Because I can predict what's going to happen. We're going to get the, the sermon from Eddie Hearn. Right? That's what we're going to get. We're going to get a sermon from Eddie Hearn, and he's going to go, look at what Dubois did. Look at what Joshua did in two fights. And then he'll go, do you remember when people were saying Dubois was a better heavyweight than Joshua? He'll say that. And then what he'll say is, 
Can you imagine AJ against that version of Usyk? That's what you're going to hear, right? And then, I think I said it earlier in the week, he'll start planting the seeds of why can't they have a third fight? Where else has Usyk got to go? That will be it. It'll be like, where's Usyk got to go? If he can't fight Joshua, he can't fight Wilder, uh, if you can't fight Fury and you can't fight Wilder, why can't he fight Joshua? There's no one else. There's Hergovic, but is that going to make as much money as Joshua? So don't be surprised if Hearn pivots to a conversation about a third Joshua fight on the basis that that's not the same Usyk. And he'll say, you go, look, if Joshua had hit Usyk to the body, he wouldn't have got back up in five minutes. Then he'll say, even if he had got back up, Joshua would have jumped on him and that would have been the end of the fight because he'll say, Anthony Joshua is the best finisher in heavyweight boxing. So that's all to come. Mark my words, that is all to come. And on that note, I'll say, look, enjoy your bank holiday, whatever it is you're doing, friends, family, um, DIY, whatever it is you're doing, make sure you enjoy it. And take care, guys.